or after reading that law line, I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they're actually playing with. Yeah, in a coup they might come and fucking intimidate me and whatnot. But fuck, they do not understand what the fuck just one person like myself is capable of. They do not fucking understand. No fucking vaccine or MRA will ever flow through my fucking blood blood. Never! I will fucking die fucking fighting for my forefathers and my fucking lineage. Fuck these motherfuckers. And uh, happy, happy Easter to all of you. Mine has, uh, of course, come and gone. It was a pleasant, pleasant day. And I uh, hope the same for all of you. Uh, peaceful, peaceful Easter. Because um, some some aren't getting that. And uh, we'll be, what are we going to be doing today? Well, there's, oh, it's taken time for me to catch up with this. But the latest accusations coming from Russia, um, we'll maybe seeing how I feel try and attempt two papers today um one is a recent publication about prions i'll shout out uh, commander rixie sending it my way and the other is uh more more data pointing at i remember i spent a lot of time last week talking about dopaminergic neurons how potentially we're seeing in the epidemiological data i guess uh, well epidemiological perhaps refer to whole country but a large study basically showing that there's been significant drops in people's personal activity and i made the point that this is these are the indicators of or well, they could be the potential indicators of 
emergence of Parkinsonian like syndromes. It is the first uh, symptom that you'll notice when you take an animal down that particular pathway, a non-human primate. So, well, is there anything else that I, I wanted to, to cover? Um, no, I think I think that's about it, and I think we should, of course, jump straight in. I've been messing with soundboards and everything, so God, reputation, ah, clean. All right, so of course, uh, covert now over. It's not just it's not just moral bio enhancement. It's uh, they they want to do everything. They want to change everything from top to bottom, folks. That's why you're here to uh, try to pick apart what it is that they are doing. I want to shout out uh, Good Doggy for this meme he made yesterday. Just strength in numbers, folks. Strength in numbers. The Kuna Army. Uh, <laughs> and uh, what did you say? Bite the ankles. Bite the ankles of our oppressors. All right, uh, so if you wandered in here and wondering who I am, uh, my name is Ken, a real scientist, and, uh, and that with uh, metrics and scores and uh, published papers, been on the TV, <laughs> and uh, now I find myself uh, engaged in this whatever. Well, I just saw someone put a link. Donald Trump just said, World War Free. <laughs> Welcome to the party, Donald. Just uh, glad glad you uh, woke up in time and got the word out. <laughs> really appreciate that one. And of course, the most most important thing as well is that this stream, this. Science for the public, by the public, is only possible through uh, your support and whether that would be a Patreon subscription. Uh, hit that WTYL.live tip jar, Fauci.monster, that's all you've got to type in your browser, that'll take you to payment processing. Uh, stream fags and GayPal, there's what, that's one way to do PayPal. What I've done as well is I've put a link in the live chat on rumble and that that's a far more seamless way uh should you want to send a paypal um but uh yeah it's there and uh what else oh yes of course uh buy me a coffee as well should you wish to hear the dulcet tones of one gd bakshi and uh Disturb the Doc's train of thought during the stream. Uh, that's uh, that's always welcome. Uh, subscribe star, whole manner of digital tulips, gladly accepted in the crypto wallets below. You can join our Discord, where a lot of the uh, discussion around uh, the, the data that we bring up takes place on a moment by moment. It's a it's a rapidly evolving Discord and uh, adapting, I would say. And of course, there's a register to be notified button. And finally, you can watch the stream live on McCann Dojo when I'm live. And if you're, if you miss that, and you, of course, if you don't want to give your IP address or even your VPN to Big Data, because for sure they can uh, peel back those layers. You're not anonymous on the internet, but you can watch it on We Talk You Listen. Uh, that's where I invest all those dollaroonies 
that you send to me uh, after I fed the blicks on the plantation. And uh, where do I send my gold for donation? Uh, just uh, DM me, bro. I'll send you. Uh, <laughs> I'll send you my address. And uh, what else? Uh, yes. Um, streaming video on demand. If you want to stream using that platform, if you want to upload videos, please uh, knock yourself out. Just sign up. You can rock and roll straight away. And let us let us get into the shit show that is. World War Three, and in a World War Three scenario, um, as this clip wanted to play, but basically Russia is coming out with uh, a there is a fresh allegations, I would say, but or, or more more encompassing. So they've added more people to their list of ne'er do wells who we know are part of this massive, massive industry of biowarfare research and finding the countermeasures. So uh, let's, let's just have a quick listen at that. Today, принимал непосредственное участие в создании лабораторной базы для реализации военно-биологических исследований на территории Украины. Грег Глаз, профессор Института новых патогенов при Университете штата Флорида, занимался изучением распространения возбудителей тулеремии на Украине, привлекался к реализации проекта UP8 распространения вирусов конго-крымской геморрагической лихорадки и хантавирусов на Украине. Эндрю Стэнли Пекас, профессор молекулярной микробиологии и иммунологии в Школе общественного здравоохранения при Университете Джонса Хопкинса. Привлекался в качестве одного из ведущих консультантов к проекту UP2 применение геноинформационных систем удаленного наблюдения и лабораторной диагностики для выявления заболеваний тулеремии и сибирской язвы людей и животных на Украине. В числе исполнительных американских военно-биологических проектов граждане Украины Наталья Родина, заместитель генерального директора государственного учреждения Киевский областной лабораторный центр Минздрава Украины и бывший сотрудник американской компании Black and Twitch. С 2020 года является советником командующим медицинскими силами ВСУ по вопросам лабораторной диагностики. Елена Нестерова, директор Украинского института исследований проблем общественного здравоохранения, координировала деятельность компании Лабиринт Global Health осуществляла взаимодействие между госорганами Украины и компанией Метабиота. Скрываясь от ответственности за участие в военно-биологических проектах, многие фигуранты покинули территорию Украины. There's a there's a broad sweeping arc you can make with your uh, stick with a it's been dipped in shit pointing it at all these people they they are material witnesses to these programs and right now the simple fact of the matter is that Russia is expending blood and treasure in that environment and 
that infrastructure was there. It wasn't just there monitoring wildlife for the World Health Organization. These were ditch for funding projects. These were billions of dollars funneled into there. It is a... Words fail me. It's just disgusting. It's what, it's what it is. And the way that these organizations have lined up to gorge themselves at the trough of the well taxpayer basically they took your money and pumped it into these programs when there was no need no need whatsoever and you know if you want to monitor for diseases it doesn't require billions of dollars i'm afraid and these uh the well what's disturbing me the most actually is just you're not seeing this being reported on western media i guess there is a concerted effort to suppress the concerns of the ruskies and the issue here is that the russians have grounds for their complaint and the problem is is that the bullets and bombs are already flying, and I'm not sure, not sure how we extricate ourselves from this particular mess at the moment, because those that are implicated will go to the ends of the earth, basically, to cover their asses. And if that means that you, peon, have to suffer because of their machinations, I guess, so be it. So be it, so long as they can skip away off into the distance with their bags of money and uh, influence so that they can maintain it for the next cycle. You should be seething angry at what they've done and how, again, we've ended up in such a bizarre position. And damn them, damn them all, I say. Uh see um meanwhile they're trying to strike crimea with missiles to provoke a nuclear response from moscow is that is that true <laughs> i mean i know i know they've been there's like saboteurs and stuff and i mean it's not like crimea's been out of reach since the beginning of the war and uh, that's why i mean things are not working uh, yeah. odd um okay but all, all the other messages are missing for some reason and i don't understand why i can see them obviously coming up on the the stream so that's something yes sweat too much all right so um i've got a bunch of reports here so <laughs> of course uh we've had in the last week uh, or the last few days i should i should say the uh, leak of all these documents from the Pentagon and you know there was a small leak about which the provenance and there appeared to be manipulation of uh, some of the data with respect to uh, casualties uh, in, in the war but a, a second tranche of 
papers, I guess, were, were released. And the... What, what, what does it point to? It points to the fact that, you know, the involvement of US and NATO is was very much an active project and you know the kremlin responds uh, yeah <laughs> the of course of course they are and again it's it's these lick spittles that we've just put into positions of responsibility thinking that they can essentially <laughs> literally get away with murder and i'm yeah i'm not optimistic about the trajectory that we're on no look if, if the missiles fly then they fly there's not much we can do about it so uh enjoy yourself whilst here and uh i want to say thanks to uh john for a ten dollar dino straight away uh what can you have let me just see if my uh saddam uh rip is working <laughs> Oh, God. Can't we just go back to those, those pan-Arab chads? That's all we had to worry about. <laughs> now, now we've got imploding, imploding social systems on our end and our governments pulling us into situations and conflicts that um, I don't think that they're really geared up for. And, you know, <laughs> what has it resulted in? Well... You know, to to keep focus on on the particular areas of interest, you know, the the experimentation that they've uh, forced most of the people on the planet to go through. Uh, all right, so of course, uh, Kremlin taking it all very much uh, in their stride. Thank, thankfully, or hopefully, they'll be uh, they'll show some restraint. Um, same story. Let me just drop the links. This was kind of sort of more in depth analysis of um, the biowarfare issue and um, <laughs> the list grows uh, ever longer and <laughs> I like Dormitz is on there. <laughs> uh, well... <laughs> Tensi uh, says South Korea, yeah, I heard about that, uh, is really pissed because uh, the U.S. is spying on... Look, the U.S. spies on everyone, right? Look, of course, all this statecraft happens, right? It, it's it's sort of baked in to the systems that we have to deal with. And uh, <laughs> uh, snooping onto comms, okay, I can, I can understand. It's the... It's the escalation into senseless war and violence that pulls, you know, who takes the brunt of that? It's the it's young young working class lads, like I say, all those uh, all those gene lines being scrubbed out in Ukraine right now. Unbelievable. But anyway, uh, so I had a I had a whole slew of uh, yeah, it's just more documents released and so I'm going to be streaming with armchair warlord 
Sunday my time, so it'd be Saturday. <laughs> you had enough? Yeah, oh, you're so strong. Uh, so the yeah, I'll be discussing the leaks and the implications of that with Armchair Warlord. So Sunday my time, Saturday evening U US time, and I hope. Wow, I don't know. I said to Armchair Warlord, you know, but who knows how much more chaos is going to emerge in the five to six days between then then or now and then it, it's I, I expect anything at the moment even the uh, spanish inquisition expect them all right and nobody expects the spanish inquisition all right i'm trying to see who uh let me i don't know well um i don't know why that's not working my uh, buy me a coffee page is stuck at whoever, whoever sent me that. Um, oh, hang on. Just log in. I just want to say thank you. And uh, any chance to uh, play the uh, the new Saddam, the new Saddam Stinger? <laughs> I'll do it. White Log Kung Fu with those pesos. Thank you, thank you, thank you, sir. You too can have a Saddam the same drip. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> I might just grow a Saddam Tash. <laughs> right. Moving on, of course, there's uh, tensions in the South China Seas. As, um, basically, that, uh, my understanding is this is a response to the Prime Minister, whatever you want to call it, President, going to the US and China is not happy and Look, I don't, I don't know how much of a, <coughs> a flashpoint it would be. I don't know. You know, but, but does China have to invade Taiwan? I don't think it does. Just blockade it. And then I guess, well, I, guess I guess they'll get into it. So, But there's a, there was a little video that came with this report, so I thought I'd play it.机群对台岛西南目标全时追鸟，在不同方向警巡舰艇采取高速机动和隐蔽接敌方式，占领预定打击阵位。战区空军踢刺出动数十架次预警侦查、歼击、轰炸、干扰机，按照作战编。Unb
shipping around Taiwan. And I don't know, I guess, I guess there is a potential that the US would be, well, I don't know, can the, <laughs> can the collective West send any weapons? We've, uh, we've spugged them all in Ukraine. And they do the drill, they'll just do the actual thing. M maybe, maybe, um, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that uh, the, the Asian sphere will just not, not get pulled into another, another Zog war. Uh, right. They ain't going to end the drills. Right. Uh, okay. So, that, let me uh, move on. And so just a reminder, a quick refresh, right? So, Daily step counts before and after COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, and in this, we see a this piece of data which shows this drop in activity. And I'm, I've said at the beginning of the stream, this, this is very, very concerning, particularly now as we're getting more and more data coming out with respect to the impact on dopaminergic Basal ganglia system, something that I've been railing about for three years now, and um, we'll, we're, we're going to take a look at that. So, you know, so this paper, um, the brain organoids, and the ability to um, infect uh, dopaminergic neurons, and have. Oh, oh, there it is. So this is this is the paper I wanted to get into first. Uh, prions, a threat to health, security, and the need for effective medical countermeasures. Now, I've I've scanned through this paper uh, quickly because this is of primary importance. I am convinced that the evidence points to the fact that there desire for incapacitation has pushed them towards this mechanism of targeting the central nervous system and you can you can impact uh, dopamine yeah you'll you'll slow people down and that makes your job far far easier uh, when it comes to population containment management you want to call it and Oh, yes, there was one thing I wanted to bring up, which was this paper. And I'm, I may do a deeper dive into this, but there was an important note, which I was talking about last week, where this idea of reservoirs. Remember, we looked at uh, another paper where the skull bone marrow, meninges, so the covering of the brain, and... Uh, spike protein being detected in all all of the different compartments and you know again uh, an indicator that there is a um, sustained ongoing impact from spike protein exposure uh, like i say i don't care where where it comes from uh, be it gene transfection or out of laboratories the intent was uh, to wrap you up, to tie you up, to make it more difficult for you to uh, 
pursue your God-given rights. And the thing that I was talking about was that if you don't, you have to specifically retrieve olfactory bulb when extracting the brain. Um, it's, like I say, it's just wrapped in sort of bony protuberances and most... In most cases, people will just cut through the uh, the olfactory nerves and take out the the whole of the, the brain. Um, and the olfactory bulbs tend to get left behind. But in this study, where they're finding that SARS exposure to SARS causes uh, a re-emergence of HERV, so human endogenous retrovirus. Uh, W and the where was it? Du, 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 du. Yes, uh, here. So, uh, envelope proteins from HERV W was also found in postmortem tissues of lungs, heart, gastrointestinal tract, brain, olfactory bulb, and nasal mucosa from COVID nineteen patients. Now, I, I would want to go through this paper to. Understand, understand the mechanisms as as to why you would see that reactivation. Again, it may be a consequence of the impact on your immune posture, uh, the focusing of CD, CD4. I don't remember CD4. Which one? CD4, CD8 takes a hit. I want to say CD4. Um, but the... The issue is, where could these reservoirs exist? And of course, olfactory bulb should be very, very high up on that list. And this paper, um, I want to read for it more if they find co-infection with COVID-19 and the HERV W um, in the olfactory bulb, but maybe we'll do that for another day. Um, let's let's get into prion. So this is a new study. Again, shout out to Commander Rixie for this one. He sent it my way. And um, yeah, this was a record. Well, I, I mean, it's new. It's a new paper. So prions a threat to health security and the need for effective medical countermeasures. And there's that language again. And I'm very very suspicious of this type of language and where they where they would want to drag us and the the problem is that the prion disorders not not just canonical prp related prion protein related disorders but again Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, these are all disorders of protein misfolding. And in state of the, the current state of the art in neuroscience is that, you know, we, we see these as uh, prion disorders. And, you know, you'll, you'll say that to members of the public and they'll be like, ah, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's got nothing to do with uh, that, that mad cow disease, what you're talking about. And no, they, they don't know what they're talking about. And you, my good listeners, have had the opportunity to learn about these 
mechanisms over the years now, and you should be fully um, fully up to date so that I, sh I should be able to go through this paper and you have a solid grasp of the technical terms that are used. Now, it doesn't seem uh, it's, oh, I don't know, let's see. It's long, long, long. No, and my issue with this paper is that it doesn't take into account the wider definition of prion-like disorders. It, it, it's hyper-focused on the prion protein, the canonical uh, peptide of concern. And I'm just... Do I do I want to let's let's see if there's just a chapter on the medical countermeasures <laughs> and uh, I bet you I bet you part of that is vaccination that's probably where they wanna wanna take this um, but let's see overview of interventions and solutions okay so. Yeah, I want to do this because I have another paper, and that's a far more in-depth paper um, looking at dopaminergic neurons um, and brainstem neurons in SARS. And I think that probably is worth more of my effort than than this paper. So let's let's see what this one says about pharmacal interventions. So pharmacal interventions and non-pharmaceutical interventions are strategies deployed to control the spread and effects effects of infectious pathogens. PIs include, yeah, of course, vaccines and therapeutics, while MPIs generally include behavior-oriented actions such as mask wearing, social distancing, and disinfection. MPIs also can include control measures targeted towards susceptible and infected animal reservoirs, vectors, populations, while PIs may take months to years until at-scale deployment. Non-pharmaceuticals can be implemented immediately. Effective use of both pharmaceutical and non-pharmaceutical approaches as available can help control an outbreak with specific actions tailored to disease biology. In the context of preparing for and responding to a prion outbreak in animal populations that threatens human health, both PI and MPI approaches should be explored. Here we will analyze the following four such approaches and describe challenges for each infected animal population reduction, controlled burning of prion-exposed land, therapeutics, and vaccines with emphasis placed on prion therapeutic and vaccine medical countermeasures. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. But I'm, I'm not sure that these, these vaccine approaches work, right? With the, they've, they've tried them for, already for, Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and are they going to be able to oh, the, the immediate issue that I can think of is uh, that you would just tip the body into an autoimmune state if you charge up your antibodies as part of the mechanism to deal with uh, these these types of disorders and I'm, and we should be cognizant of how they've used the past three years. 
They work great for COVID. You are right, Centripede. Uh, you are right, sir. Uh, you've never heard of Martine Rothblatt. Do a quick search. I can't remember if we have covered them in the past. Um, why, why should I look for Martine Rothblatt? Granny? <laughs> I ain't interested. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Um, well, animal culling, you know, this was the response that the UK had. I don't think we need to um, read this section. So in the UK, when Mad Cow was rearing its ugly head, they were um, basically just building massive funeral pyres out of cows. And... Uh, was like over a thousand a week at one point. So transhumanist, very powerful transhumanist. Yeah, look again. Uh, these you, these people only have power over you if you let them. And you know your your job should just be try to inculcate in your children um, that they they should stay away from these types and. You know the the good thing is is that those uh, <laughs> what should we say gender confused types uh, they don't breed right they don't uh, it it we outnumber them strength in numbers folks strength in numbers uh, let's see and cannibalism they were feeding cows bone meal yes that was the presumption um, that you. Well, it's this just disgusting process of mechanically recovered meat, right? And then what's what's left at the very end, which is usually like the spinal cord and the bones and the brain, I guess, just got uh, crunched up and fed back to cows. And well, yeah, we live and learn, I guess. All right, so uh, I don't think we can... Well, we can skip that. Uh, controlled burning of prion-exposed land. So prions are thought to be inactivated at sustained temperatures above 900 degrees Fahrenheit, while forest fires can create temperatures greater than... Are the kids coming back already? What time is it? Really? You can't hear it, but I can hear kids outside. Uh, let's see. Some re researchers have proposed using controlled burns on vegetation in certain areas. Uh, again, <laughs> I mean, how deep does the heat get into the ground, man? Like the the temperatures needed to inactivate prions. Probably, I, I would. I'm struggling with uh, this one, but here's here's the money shot. Uh, prion medical countermeasures therapeutics. And um, the my understanding is there ain't much <laughs> that you can do. I'm afraid once once the once the misfolding has reached a critical threshold, boom! It's it's just uh, it's game over. All right. So research on prion therapeutics dates back to the 1980s when the antiviral HPA 23 was shown to prevent scrapie when administered before or immediately at the time of infection. And the dye Congo Red was found to bind scrapie prions. 
Since then, numerous compounds from screens have been identified that prolong life in prion infected animals. However, more work needs to be done on identifying an effective anti prion campaign uh, compound for human prion diseases. Therapeutic approaches have targeted the PRPC protein by lowering PRP gene expression, promoting PRP degradation, relocalization of PRP, and blocking PRP mediated neurotoxic pathways. A recent first-in-human study used a monoclonal antibody therapy for CJD. In this example, anti-PRPC monoclonal antibodies were administered intravenously to six patients with CJD for up to 260 days. Lack of cytotoxicity was observed in several patients who had tissues sampled and no clinically significant adverse reactions were reported, indicating the monoclonal antibodies treatment's potential safety. While all patients exhibited progressive neurological decline, one patient <laughs> yeah. one patient had a prolonged clinical duration compared to others in the study and merits further safety and efficacy studies. Well, you know, <laughs> it might have just been in a better condition and it might just have been the... That would have happened without intervention anyway. But, you know, the take home from that message is, is that five of the six, boom, just <laughs> they, uh, how should we say, uh, they followed the defined clinical course of the disease. The research and development of prion therapeutics is difficult and often limited by the available patient population and the heterogeneous clinical presentation. In addition, as seen with all antimicrobial compounds, drug-resistant strains can arise. The 2-aminothiazole compound IND24 prolonged life in prion-infected mice but led to resistance, thus highlighting the need for clinical treatment strategy consisting of intermittent use of multiple therapeutics. Now, I, why, why would you get resistance in... It's just, it's just a misfolded, or not just, misfolded protein. I mean, I've, I've always assumed resistance is conferred by genetic selection, and this is at a, at a more low, well, it's lower level. But um, there's no, there's no gene expression per se involved in. The misfolded protein itself. The the body makes a co a copy of the prion protein. It's put into the cell cytoplasm. It's it's got a job to do with membrane trafficking and the it doing that. I don't know. Well, maybe they'll say. Um, but you know, I guess this is just indicative of how difficult it is to. So, prion uh, resistance has also been observed for combination therapies. Multiple prion MCM medical countermeasures need to be developed and perhaps include multiple unique targeting strategies. Encouragingly, genetic approaches that avoid traditional selection for resistance are, cur are currently being explored as potential prion therapeutics and will be discussed later in this article. Prion medical countermeasures vaccination. Vaccination is one of the most effective tools in preventing the transmission of and reducing infectious disease burden. <laughs> Some might beg to differ. Um, I'm, you know, I 
sit in the camp that some are useful, uh, but the crazed the crazed vaccine schedule of the United States is is not the way to do it. Vaccines for prions are a critical component in the MCM toolkit for responding or even prophylactic inoculation to a prion threat. To that end, researchers have been working on on prion vaccines with limited success. You don't say. You don't say. 2015, a paper was published detailing the first reportedly successful vaccination against C chronic wasting disease in deer. In their approach, a live attenuated salmonella Typhimurium LVRO1 was engineered to express tandem copies of PRP for mucosal vaccination in white-tailed deer. Over the course of 11 months, a total of eight vaccinations and boosters were given via oral gavage, tonsil exposure, and rectal exposure. Unvaccinated control deer all developed CWD after challenge and died within 1,000 days, while the vaccinated deer survived. <laughs> Yeah, they just you just string it out for it. You just extend the misery. <laughs> uh, let's see, for over a thousand days and had the highest immune response to the vaccinations. There are two main critiques of this vaccination study. First, although the time between CWD challenge and development of CWD and eventual death was longer in vaccinated deer, complete protection was not sustained for most of the deer and only one vaccinated deer out of five survived. Wah -wah. This does not constitute a substantive increase in life and well-being that we expect of clinically approved vaccinations. Ah, not anymore. <laughs> Those definitions have changed now. Oh, excuse me. Uh, I just want to. I'm going to point on average PayPal. Keep dropping it in the. Um, let's see. Uh, behind Telkev and building a survey feedback feature voting for new WTYL services. Very good. Very good. Tax evading bleak Simon Phoenix. Uh, keep at it. All right. So, <laughs> look, this, the prognosis is not good. We've, you know, <laughs> clinical neurosciences, we've known this for a very, very long time. And like I say, the, the just the subtleties and complexities involved in protein folding, it's... It's difficult for me to conceptualize a small molecule or antibody type response that would address that issue. Well, who knows? Who knows what's on the uh, or over the horizon? Okay, so at least they're, at least they're acknowledging that it's uh, <laughs> it's not good enough. Second, this vaccination protocol requires eight doses administered over eleven months in non-traditional delivery methods that are not conducive to large-scale vaccination efforts. Uh, well, I can think of a subset of the population that will be uh, battering down the door for the uh, rectal, <laughs> the rectal exposure. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> for single dose oral live biotherapeutic using the scaffold designed in the study were to be effective, then we would have a game changer MCM vaccine. Methods to induce passive and active immunization have also failed in conferring robust immunity in vivo, or numerous studies using various prion packaging approaches and attempts to overcome self tolerance have been conducted, but again, definitive evidence of prion protection in in vivo models has not been shown. Difficulties in inducing a strong immune response have been attributed to host tolerance of the endogenous PRPC protein and thus minimizing the impact of exogenous PRPC when used for vaccination. To circumvent these limitations, one research group utilized an antigen-presenting retrovirus particle approach against PRPC. Oof. I mean, just... <laughs> The idea that you would put a gene signature into a retrovirus and then stick it in people. High <laughs> titers for immunoglobulin M and G were observed. Post-vaccination in PRPC-deficient mice and lower titers were found in heterozygous and wild-type PRPC mice. While the study demonstrated a strong immune response, only occurred in deficient mice, not wild type, thus limiting its translatable impact in normal animal and human populations. Taken together, current vaccination strategies are not the most effective. However, they present a start in the lengthy process of finding an effective and tenable prion vaccination solution. And again, this, this person, I can just tell from reading this, this person is not a neuroscientist this is this is someone who's fixated on vaccine tech and again it's a uh... <laughs> well you know if this phenomenon is sustained and doesn't rebound then of course they can be looking to go down that avenue and they, they they may well turn around and say that they're gonna they're gonna they have to mass vaccinate against the amyloidogenic properties of SARS-CoV-2 and another another series of exposures um the These people just torture animals. I hate these types. Ah, uh, look, man. People said I was an animal torturer. Um, <laughs> look, better animals than you, right? That's that's what I would say. And look, they're happy to use you. You just had a uh, <laughs> a strong lesson in how much that they're prepared to just. <laughs> Unleash shit onto the public. <laughs> right. Uh, let's see. I probably should keep an eye on the cat. Why? What's wrong? I don't want to. Uh, let's see. New weapon systems aboard latest Nimitz class carrier. Mm, we'll see. Isn't it strange they have some big orgy and women get pregnant so they can sacrifice the babies when? Uh, I don't know what that means. Uh, let's see, we are the prion generation. Yes. Uh, let's see. Ability thing. I don't know. Lots of talk about pagan rituals. 
Burning you off your land is the solution. Trust us. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> we we have detected. We have detected misfolded proteins. Uh, away you go, and that's that's already extant, right? That polluted ground can just be taken over by the federal federal government. Um, so it says PayPal working. Thank you, thank you. Um, the problem is I get no alert and um, PayPal. I have to keep logging in. I don't know. Maybe there's uh, some webhook we can use that tells me that uh, PayPal working. Uh, let's see. I think your aims were a little bit more noble than theirs. Yeah, I like to think so. I do, I do like to think so. Uh, let's see. These retards will transfect against one misfolded protein and will probably give you like dozens more. Yep, <laughs> that's that's how I would view this. And, you know, the... I, I, I guess what you what needs to happen is, is, is you need to find pharmacological and molecular ways to traffic out and dispose of of these misfolded proteins the the mechanisms are there the problem is it's just the they just get overwhelmed with uh too much too much uh prion cascades um but look it's a problem they've been working on for 40 years now <laughs> they've barely budged the needle maybe some symptomatic uh relief i guess what you'll get um all right let's, let's dig on because uh we get to the next bit which is the threat of prions as biological weapons now this is very interesting to me and let's see how well this person now this is this paper was is out of princeton right so you know this person should be um on the ball as it were and let's let's see what they put into their article so Biological weapons encompass all pathogenic and toxic biological agents that can cause morbidity and or mortality. That includes infectious clones, all under gain of function. Okay, don't need we don't need any more new definitions right now. <laughs> don't don't go tinkering with it because you just give them wiggle room. Uh, in the traditional sense, infectious biowarfare agents can spread in a population and cause diseases and or death. Prions are atypical. Well, I've been telling you this is why they're so interested in the, the lag time between infection and the first appearance of symptoms and eventual death is large, typically on the order of years to decades. Prions make for stealthy but deadly biowarfare agents with rapid neurological decline after onset of symptoms and have a 100% case fatality rate. Their use was discussed in workshops discussing biological and toxin weapons convention in 2015 and has drawn attention from those in defense communities. <laughs> Color me not fucking surprised. <laughs> Depending on the bad actor's motivations and willingness to wait for an effect, the dosage of prions per exposure could be altered through common biotechnological approaches and facilitate faster disease progression. What? You mean like transfecting people with these, <laughs> these pre-energic 
peptide causing. Prions <laughs> <sighs> are in many ways analogous to a class of biowarfare agents known as bioregulators, first developed by the Soviet Union and later reported by Western scientists. Bioregulators are compounds that mimic or are copies of existing natural proteins and compounds found in the human body. Upon exogenous delivery and exposure in certain doses using engineered bacterial producers, these proteins and compounds can result in neurological and physical symptoms analogous to late-stage prion disease and eventually cause death in exposed individuals. Possible delivery mechanisms, immunological challenges and effects are similar in both prion and bioregulator-induced diseases. The potential for protein-based biowarfare agents should be recognized and sufficient resource dedicated to development of medical countermeasures. The severe health consequences of a prion biowarfare agent should be of concern for both human and animal health. Biological warfare involving prions can come in several formats that will be briefly outlined here, grouped by transmission format, animal to animal, animal to human, non-transmissible human prion attack, and human to human. While more granular methods will be purposely avoided in this non-classified work, it is important to highlight the various possible prion biowarfare exposure and use formats to further emphasize the need for robust medical and vaccination research programs that can respond to a prion biowarfare attack. And again, um, what's, what's this, this person's focus on just canonical prion and not the not the broader definitions that neuroscientists are using currently is a terrible failing in this paper now look maybe they don't want you to really know about these um preenergic like responses right they want to try and keep that on the down low don't want to spook the uh, spook the peons in their kill pods. Let's see. I am Raven Nine says I'm pretty sure we are all screwed already. If the prion domains in the spike protein are not already causing degenerative brain disease, I would be surprised. Who would dare take an IQ test? Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those issues again where. There's like a, I would argue there's a baseline susceptibility to exposure. And this is why, you know, the dementia pathways, their end of life conditions, right? It, it takes a lifetime of aggregation to bring you into those disease states. And it may, it may just be, and I would put forward the conjecture that. Again, the Kreutzfeldt-Yakov type presentation is the extreme end of a very, very wide spectrum of neurological disease that can emerge from prion-like mechanisms. Animal-to-animal -animal prion transmission in a biowarfare attack is perhaps the most probable and realistic according to current knowledge around prion biology. This purposeful introduction of animal-specific 
Pre-armed bioweapons are a form of agro-terrorism, an attack on livestock or plants and food sources. Prion diseases have already affected many animal populations in the wild, primarily in North America, but also now has spread into Europe. Agroterrorism via a prion agent that spreads only among cattle, pigs or other critical meat sources and results in rapid death would seriously affect regional, national and even international food supply and severely impact social and economic stability. Hmm. You don't say... Such effects could last for years and lead to negative outcomes in food security and nutritional status among various populations. Animal-to-human transmission, in the case of BSEVCJD, is another route of attack with a prion biowarfare agent. While this form of prion disease is not known to be contagious and require direct consumption of tainted meat, such an attack would require vast animal product recalls. Importantly, this approach will directly affect human health and, the result, and result in fatalities. Similar to the animal-to-human prion biowarfare attack, the non-transmissible human prion attack will also affect humans directly, but not occur through means of contaminating animals, but by directly contaminating food and drink. The last prion biowarfare approach covered here involves human-to-human transmission and is perhaps the most ominous of prion biowarfare attack methods. With a, pre- with a deeper understanding of prion biology, transmission, and effects, a bad actor could engineer a contagious prion disease. Oh, you don't say. Ha! Imagine that. <laughs> that spreads among humans like a cold. Oh. Is that, is that so? <laughs> what a... <laughs> oh, man. Look. It's very likely that this is what we're facing right now. It's been done. And, you know, the simple fact of the matter is that you were it just the virus itself. I mean, that would be bad enough. But again, it's the binary component. That's the issue. They they pulled spars on you. Exercise. Whoever wrote this article must have graduated top of the class. I don't know. I mean, look, I've been hammering this home for three years now. And as a... As an article about this topic, maybe I maybe I should write one. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> again, it's feeding the beast, right? I'll have to think about it, but maybe 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 I should write a more encompassing review. All right, uh, let's see, so where was it? Spread like a cold. In fact, various prion delivery vehicles could be utilized that involve common infectious diseases. Such prion diseases would spread within a population and engineered to result in death years or decades later. This would lead to a catastrophic population collapse with devastating implications for humanity. And potentially, we're seeing that right now. The data, the data is there. If it doesn't rebound, Jesus, I don't know. Start having more kids while you can, folks. 
The high-level description of potential prion biowarfare approaches neglects the feasibility and lacks a rigorous risk assessment needed to prioritize likely prion biowarfare use from an objective standpoint. However, taken together, the prion biowarfare approaches highlight the broad risk to both humans and animals and underscore the importance in the research and development of prion-specific vaccines and therapeutics. Technologies and recent updates in prion therapeutic research. The risk of prion disease warrants innovative approaches that help expand our understanding of this dude. <laughs> some uh, Asian ching chong, it sounds like, at Princeton. It's a, this, this is just a, a sales pitch for please fund my vaccine experiments. This is what this paper's for. Uh, the risk of prion diseases warrants, yeah, 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 we did that. Uh, and what therapeutic strategies can be applied? Multiple computational approaches to predicting prion like protein aggregation and amyloid like structures have been published and reviewed. These programs are typically in the form of online servers that scan proteomes, genomes, and protein sequences and often use machine learning techniques. Advances in protein structure prediction, such as with AlphaFold, could also contribute to structure based interrogation prion-like proteins, and perhaps ligand binding for drug discovery pipelines. While no approved treatment for prions currently exists, recent development offer insight into new treatment strategies for prion disease. Antisense oligonucleotides designed to lower prion-encoding mRNA were shown to be effective against multiple prion strains in mice, extended survival, and improved biomarkers when injected into cerebral spinal fluid. Ah! <laughs> You ain't got to roll up your sleeve. You're going to have to lay on your side as they uh, stick in. Stick in an epidural needle. <laughs> While this approach directly introduces the ASOs into central nervous systems environment, challenges crossing the blood-brain barrier remain. A recent study also examined using CRISPR-Cas9 gene drives in a genetic approach to prion disease treatment, but encountered technical challenges. <laughs> you don't say. In vitro studies using a small molecule inhibiting a serine protease inhibitor was found to reduce prion loads in infected cells that had low bioavailability and limits its direct use in animals. And again, this is this is a constant problem. And I, I, I see it all the time. I understand people want to want to find solutions, but it's it's a known. I say confounder, but you can find all manner of technologies, interventions, and pharmaceuticals that, that work on cell cultures. It, 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 it's far, far, far away, though, from being something that works in a whole organism. Despite these hurdles, different modifications such as peptide and antibody fusions, as well as alternate delivery methods such as intranasal sprays, could be applied to these compounds that could increase their bioavailability. In addition, gene editing technologies such as CRISPR can be further explored for both a prophylaxis and treatment for prion disease by decreasing production of the prion proteins and decreasing aggregation. This approach has been recently applied to, to transithrin amyloidosis, where the liver produces abnormal amyloid fibrils that build up in the peripheral nervous system, as well as the heart and other organs. CRISPR has also been used to target a transmembrane secretion protein that generates amyloid proteins associated with Alzheimer's disease. Um, 
again. Oh. <laughs> I won't be holding my breath, put it that way. <laughs> While the safety profiles and clinical efficacy of therapies using CRISPR technologies in humans are yet to be determined, gene editing approaches may be a tenable method to future therapeutics against prion diseases. Now, you know, the, what you're going to get here is just rest is a pitch for please, please fund my studies. Uh, no, no conflicts of interest. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd want to dig into the author, uh, Ying Chang Jie Li. Um, but yeah, there you go. Um, this is this is the world in which we are now operating. And again, you know, the how to put. He, I presume it's a he. He, she. Okay. We'll get both pronouns in, only those two. Um, he, she uh, alluded to that potentially you could be putting in these prion-inducing epitopes into a transmissible, easily transmissible disease. What have we just seen? And you're gonna you're gonna have to work bloody hard to convince me that someone didn't fire that weapon. Three primary suspects in my well four, right? Because it will cover the first three. Okay, so China, USA, Israel. Those two are not signatories. Well, the US is, but it is ignoring the uh, inspections. Uh, that they've uh, they should be obligated to do, whereas Israel is just not a signatory, and we we can't have um, we can't let that persist as a as a status quo. It, it's it's untenable over any long period of time. And the fourth being the transnational oligarchs that have the power to manipulate states and state apparatus into these weaponized systems that we've seen unleashed against the public. Uh, he says, we done fuck me, mate. He's, look, um, again, uh, life, life finds a way. And, uh, yeah, it may be painful process, but the I, I well, let's let, let let's not go there. Do uh, <laughs> everyone says you mean? Wait for it. The Jew. Um, look, it's it's more complex than that. Um. Because, look, are you, whichever country, I'll presume you're in the US, are you responsible for what these entities have done? Now, you could make the argument that, uh, well, if you've given, if you paid taxes, then yeah, in some way you're culpable. But um, they took that money from you essentially at gunpoint, right? 
and not all the Jew are responsible for their programs either and there would be many many in Israel who would like to see their country comport with international norms it's kind of why you're seeing the eruptions on the streets at the moment in Israel um, <laughs> good old Middle Eastern fashion in order to deflect a problem away they've, <laughs> Israelis have gone and started bombing Gaza and Lebanon again um, but you know, yeah uh it takes two to tango and uh <laughs> the shahids were uh, lobbing missiles over and look, I've, I've said this you know my from my experience being in the middle east and israel i don't think you can ever solve that problem <laughs> i literally think it's impossible i i i really i literally think that um Good fences make good neighbours in this particular instance. And you know, the, um, one side of the Gaza Strip has a border with Egypt, right? <laughs> let, them, let them trade and have sort of uh, open, open relations, etc. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not down with, you know, it, Israel as a country is there now, right? And my nationalist principles just in my mind say there would be just be too much blood in in the desire to push them into the sea should we modify their behavior yes yes we should should we stop their subversive influences everywhere and and speak up about the things that they that they do tend to engage in yes absolutely i don't hold back in that domain i don't but again if you if you go in ideologically possessed that all are responsible then you're you're not gonna find a solution to the problem and one way to address it is to get them to sign up to treaties okay their weapons programs have to be under inspection and you know again the, even that is no guarantee because the the private sphere could be doing that type of work right if you if you've essentially got infinite resources you can go to a lab and you can tell them i want this um let's let for sake of argument a virus with these particular specifications please make it for me and they can do it and pay them enough money and i'm sure they'll keep quiet as well right uh let's see um i think whoever released sars 2 must be under alien control if there's no antidote it makes no sense to release it the aliens probably want to get the earth's resources maybe um let's see what look jesus christ what's that <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Holy shit, man. I've never seen anything like that before. What is that? 
I'm pretty sure that that specimen was uh, snagged up and uh, taken to <laughs> Rocky Mountain Laboratories. <laughs> Oh. Picks and weaponized. Uh, <laughs> well, again, you know, the pick is the ultimate loiter weapon, right? That's that's why they use them. <laughs> Can anyone tell me what that disease is, please? What is that? <laughs> The STD. <laughs> I mean, it looks kind of wart like, right? But I mean, so big, so uh, encompassing. <laughs> uh, you've got the uh, rolling uh, raccoon going backwards. That's funny. Uh, let's see. Dear wait, th that's chronic wasting disease. No way. I mean, that's a, that's a neurological. <laughs> that that looks like a skin. Uh, disease in presentation. I guess that kind of looks like it, but deer oozing green gunk. White-tailed deer, neck bolding with huge, ugly, wart-like growth has made startling headlines out of Alabama. But many hunters were already familiar with the grotesque growths on the buck and many other strange things they found on and in the deer. Growths on that deer are deer warts or cutaneous fibromas caused by the animal's immune system reacting to virus transmitted by biting insects. Leathery, hairless, grey or black masses ranging from half inch to more than eight inches in diameter grow individually or together in clumps. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, like to me it looked like some sort of like papilloma type disease. But, uh, What am I looking at? What is that? Mange, I see. All right. Uh, where was I? So we were looking at... Oh, I was looking at the chat, right? Uh, did that, did that. Um... Um, I said wasting syndrome because it's another prion disease. Um, I I don't I don't think that <laughs> that's not a prion disease, but
Uh, all right. Um, let's get back to paper. So I, I think I'm kind of done with this, and I want to get to this paper, which have we done this before? Let's see. Uh, uh, all right. Detection of SARS-CoV-2 viral proteins and genomic sequences in human brainstem nuclei. Now, for those that have been listening to me for three years, I've been railing at that particular point, uh, the retrograde transport up axons into the brainstem, midbrain, etc. We know SARS does it as a part of its infectious profile. Um, now, let's dig into this paper and see. Oh, I'm interested in ages and the, the patient cohort. So, neurological manifestations are common in COVID-19. The disease caused by SARS-CoV-2. Despite reports of SARS-CoV-2 detection in the brain and cerebral spinal fluid of COVID-19 patients, it's still unclear whether the virus can infect the central nervous system and which neuropathological alterations can be ascribed to viral tropism rather than immune-mediated uh, immune medi mechanisms. Here we assess neuropathological alterations in 24 COVID-19 patients and 18 match controls who died due to pneumonia respiratory failure. Aside from a wide spectrum of neuropathological alterations, SARS-CoV-2 immunoreactive neurons were detected in the dorsal medulla and in the substantia nigra of five COVID-19 subjects. And the substantia nigra, pars compacta, is the one of the primary dopaminergic neuro, uh, projection neurons in the brain, the other region being the ventral tegmental area. And once they're gone, they're gone, right? And I, I, please watch the streams from last week because I, I, I spent a lot of time just explaining prodromal Parkinsonism and neurodegeneration, etc. Um, if this is going a little bit over your head, I, I would suggest going back to the beginning of last week. Uh, viral RNA was also detected by real-time RT-PCR. Quantification of reactive microglia revealed an anatomically segregated pattern of inflammation within affected brainstem regions and was higher when compared to controls. Well, the results of this study support the neuroinvasive potential of SARS-CoV-2 and characterize the role of brainstem inflammation in COVID-19, its potential implications for neurodegeneration, especially in Parkinson's disease, require further investigations. And again, think about this, folks. Think about this. You might have recovered, been exposed, recovered, but you just you just ain't got that drive that you used to. And I can I can make a very very strong case for an ongoing assault on dopaminergic basal ganglia processing. Uh, Centropede said, it's too bad PCR is fake. Yeah, PCR is fake and gay. We can all go home. <laughs> um, 
see. It's going to mitigate from our food soon. It's being engineered into leaves, now injected into livestock. Yeah, and, you know, they could they could use a threat like this to go down that avenue, for sure. But the fundamental question is, does does immune modulation help in this process of protein misfolding and i've i've yet to be convinced of that there 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 are other pathways that are that are used so like lysosomal degradation and i would if if I was you know if if I had the molecular chops, that's where I would sort of put my focus. But then I, I don't know you you mo modulate that pathway. Who knows what consequences likely to emerge? Um, not many people know Rima Libo was married to a four-star U.S. Army general, Pentagon man, in other words. I don't know what that means. Sorry, Raven. And uh, love, Yeshua. Weren't you wanting to have a discussion about um, Gnostic texts? Um, I can I can set that up so you can have a discussion with uh, Paul. Um, I, I would be interested to see that discussion. Um, just let me know if you want to do that. DM me. All right, uh, let's get back to the paper, right? Um, yeah, so we know all about the neurological part. Uh, let's, let's start a little bit into that intro. So between 10 to 30% of COVID-19 patients experience long-term sequelae, referred to as long COVID, including neurological manifestations such as hyposmia, hypoglycia, headaches, fatigue, sleep disorders, pain, and cognitive impairment. Despite reports of SARS-CoV-2 detection in the brain and cerebral spinal fluid of COVID-19 patients, it's still unclear whether the virus can infect the central nervous system and which neuropathological alterations can occur following infection. In particular, it remains to be elucidated whether neuropathological and neurological, excuse me, uh, I've lost my place. Uh, neurological manifestations encountered in COVID-19, a direct consequence of viral invasion, are due to post-infectious immune-mediated disease, or the result of systemic disease. Studies on human neural cell cultures and brain organoids report conflicting data on SARS-CoV-2 neurotropism. Overall, they suggest that SARS-CoV-2 does not infect and replicate efficiently in human neural cells, while it can replicate at high rates in choroid plexus epithelial cells. Well, um, there is another uh, paper that I'm desperately trying to get to, uh, this one. that paper gone well 
Um, I did have a paper um, that was about microglia. Oh, it's this paper. The original strain of SARS-CoV-2, the Delta variant and the Omicron variant infect microglia efficiently in contrast to their inability to infect neurons. Analysis using 2D and 3D cultures. Now, um, this, this points to the immune system targeting properties of SARS. The microglia being your sort of central nervous system's innate immune system. And I'm... Uh, I'm... Um, convinced that the therapeutic target in a lot of this is microglia. We need to find ways to damp, damp them down. So, but it's uh, cultures, a variance, intranasal inoculation of SARS-CoV-2 in transgenic mice overexpressing human ACE2 under the K18 promoter resulted in brain invasion and widespread infection of neurons, radial glia and neuronal progenitor cells, while also being supported by the notion that other coronaviruses such as SARS-CoV and MERS-CoV are able to infect the CNS in both human and animal models. Data deriving from large autopsy studies on COVID-19 descendants support the neuroinvasive potential of SARS-CoV-2, even though infection was mostly limited to sparse cells in the brainstem, hypothalamus and cerebellum and was not associated to encephalitis or other virus-specific changes. Conversely, other studies did not detect SARS-CoV-2 antigens or genomic sequences in the brain. Numerous instances of neuropathological changes in COVID-19 were moderate and represented predominantly by ischemic lesions, astrogliosis, microglial nodules, and cytotoxic T lymphocyte infiltrates most pronounced in the brainstem, cerebellum, and meninges. Now, the last study that we looked at, which was looking at the presence of spike protein in the skull bone marrow compartment wasn't finding signals in cerebellum. Again, um, it's, it's just variations across a very, very complex landscape. Um, Conversely, other studies did not detect SARS-CoV-2 antigens or genomic sequences in the brain. In numerous instances, neuropathological changes in COVID-19 were moderate and represented predominantly by ischemic lesions, astrogliosis, microglial nodules. Didn't I? Oh, I read that right. In most studies, no, didn't I didn't read that one. Yeah. Yes, I've lost my place. Sorry. Um, in most studies, no direct link between encountered neuropathological alterations direct viral invasion could be established with systemic inflammation and hypoxia playing a likely major role in mediating brain immune response. Single nucleus gene expression profiling of frontal cortex and choroid plexus tissue from severe COVID-19 patients showed broad perturbations with upregulation of genes involved in innate antiviral response and inflammation, microglial activation and neurodegeneration. 
but no direct evidence of viral tropism was found. Similarly, Bullard et al. did not detect viral transcripts and S-proteins in different brain regions of COVID-19 subjects. Yeah, they should have looked harder then. On the other hand, deep spatial profiling of the local immune response in COVID-19 brains through imaging mass spectrometry revealed significant immune activation in the CNS with pronounced neuropathological changes such as astrocleosis, axonal damage and blood-brain barrier leakage and detected viral antigens in ACE2-positive cells in the perivascular compartment. Recently, Stein et al. confirmed SARS-CoV-2 neurotropism in a large aut autopsy case series also demonstrating that viral replication can occur in numerous tissues, including the brain, and can persist for months following symptom onset. SARS-CoV-2 genomic sequences and viral proteins were detected in the spinal ganglia, cerebellum and hypothalamus, but were not associated to inflammation or neuro neuropathological changes. And SARS-CoV-2 viral neurotropism has been documented only in a subset of cases to date and was not consistently reproduced throughout available studies while widespread neuropathological sequelae such as astrogliosis, microgliosis, lymphocyte infiltration, microvascular injury, virinogen leakage have been documented in most examined specimens. The possibility and extent of direct viral invasion and eventual associated long-term sequelae of infection remain to be investigated. Yeah. Um, look, again, we could be in a situation where th their job is done. Right? They got they got what they needed, right? They they seeded as as best as they could. I couldn't imagine a more successful campaign. I guess I guess the only way it could have been more successful was the if, if you could have guaranteed that the shots were one hundred percent active. I guess rather than effective, active that they were that they were going to produce the spike protein and that in doses that they expected it to in concentrations all right uh, da, 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 da. uh so all of those um Caveats, I guess, uh, are particularly concerning for elderly subjects with known susceptibility for COVID-19 and for patients vulnerable to or already suffering from neurodegenerative diseases such as Parkinson's disease. Indeed, the hypothesis that viral infections such as COVID-19 may trigger or precipitate neurological manifestations and neurodegeneration either through direct invasion or indirectly via neuroinflammation requires particular attention in future post-pandemic post scenarios. As the clinical burden of post-infectious syndromes, long COVID appears to be continuously increasing, particular care must be taken to investigate yet unknown factors underlying potentially severe long-term sequelae in COVID-19. the present study, we assess the neuropathological changes of 24 patients who died following a diagnosis of SARS-CoV-2 infection in Italy during the COVID-19 pandemic from March 2020 to May 2021, and 18 age-matched controls with comparable medical conditions died due to pneumonia or respiratory failure all right so let's get into the results 24 covid19 patients or including our study in all patients sars-cov-2 rna detected by molecular testing in rhinopharyngeal swabs 11 were females while 13 were males the mean age of the included subjects was 73 so old okay most included subjects were affected by pre-existing chronic medical conditions 
11 patients, 7 female, 4 male, were affected by neurological or neurodegenerative disease prior to SARS-CoV-2 infection. 23 patients were hospitalized prior to death. Patients were hospitalized for 14 and a half, plus minus 11.3 days, and died 1 to 38 days following admission. 11 subjects were admitted to the ICU during hospitalization and received intensive oxygen therapy. Uh, 15 subjects received antithrombotic therapy during hospitalization and were treated with corticosteroid medication. The available clinical data for a cohort is reported in Table 1. Uh, <laughs> I think I see your problem, Governor. <laughs> Oof, look at that. Uh, where were we? So, well, uh, coronal brain slices and then horizontal with a brain stem, midbrain. And actually, um, in this right hand corner, you can see, take that out, why it's called substantia nigra. These are the cells, dopaminergic neurons. It's called that because uh, nigra obviously means uh, bleak. And um, you, you, you can see them just with visual inspection. And yeah, that's kind of cool little, cool little factoid. <laughs> what do you mean? Can we see any holes? Uh, I can assure you that that brain right there uh as uh that's that's just a huge necrotic <laughs> mess well all right so anyway there's the schematic for experimental design examples of the tissue etc and um staining so so there's Nothing, well, this last row was platelet microfombi at the level of the pons and cerebral cortex, CD61, immunohistochemical. CD61, I want to say, is cellular, whatever, dimorphic number for. Platelets. Yep, we're all wrong sometimes. All right. Um, so let's keep that. There you go. Easy under doc size. All right. A wide spectrum of neuropathological alterations were detected in both COVID nineteen and control subjects. Brains of twenty COVID nineteen subjects displayed gross macroscopic abnormalities including mild to moderate generalized cerebral atrophy, diffuse cerebral edema, and chronic territorial ischemic injury. Mr. Pathological evaluation revealed diffuse hypoxic ischemic damage as a common finding in the COVID-19 cohort, most subjects presenting mild to moderate diffuse hypoxic ischemic damage to the cerebral hemispheres and brainstem quantified according to a four-tiered semi-quantitative scale. Furthermore, acute ischemic injuries were evident in five patients. Small vessels were congested in most subjects, with moderate perivascular extravasion at the level of the medulla, pons, and deep cerebellar nuclei in six cases. 
Variable degrees of astrogliosis were evident in all subjects in all assessed regions, but were more pronounced at the level of the brainstem, as testified by GFAP staining. Semi-quantitative evaluation of astrogliosis across brain regions is available in sub Thank you. Uh, Alzheimer's disease neuropathological changes evaluated according to NIAAA criteria as well as cerebral amyloid angiopathy were detected in five subjects. In one case, Parkinson's disease neuropathological alterations, i.e. pala of the ventrolateral substantial nigra and nigral Lewy bodies were found. Uh, so the Lewy bodies are the um, protein tangles, I guess, that sort of show up as dark inclusions on um, light microscopy, basically. All right, so control subjects presented similar macroscopic and histopathological alterations, mild to moderate generalized cerebral atrophy, mild to moderate diffuse cerebral edema, and chronic territorial ischemic injury. Most subjects who died due to pneumonia or respiratory failure presented variable degrees of diffuse hypoxic ischemic damage, mild to moderate damage of the brainstem being a common finding, similarly to COVID-19 subjects. Individual findings for hypoxic ischemic injury are reported in Table 2. All subjects presented Alzheimer's neuropathological changes and the uh, cerebral, whatever it is, amyloid uh, angiopathy, with one subject presenting both AD, Alzheimer's dementia, and Lewy body dementia, mixed pathology, the macroscopic and histopathological findings of both COVID 19 subjects and controls, according to tables one and two. So CNS platelet-enriched microfrombi in small parenchymal vessels were detected in COVID-19 subjects, but not in controls. So um, what's this saying? That, that there's this clotting issue going on. And you know, that's something that we've honed in on. Um, so it's what they say. Small vessel thrombosis were detected in nine COVID-19 patients at the level of the pons deep cerebellar nuclei and cere cerebral cortex, with one patient presenting small vessel thromboses in multiple sites. No CNS or systemic thromboses were detected in controls. In all COVID-19 cases, CD61 immunoperoxidase staining revealed platelet-rich microfrombi in small parenchymal vessels with no evidence of arachnoid of meningeal vessels being involved as seen in figure 1D. Other organs were often affected, such as the lungs, liver, intestine, and hypotharynx, and even the carotid body, as summarized in Table 1. In three out of nine cases, microfrombosis were identified only within the CNS, while in the remaining six subjects, pulmonary thrombosis were also detected. Interestingly, three out of nine subjects with CNS microfrombi were on antithrombotic medication, or were not. Uh, that's interesting. So... Um, I would say that has the potential to be pointing towards the amyloid nature of these clots, right? So the regular medications are not going to work in this instance. In line with previous findings in literature, CNS microfrombosis appear to be peculiar to the COVID-19 cohort with no control subject presenting either fibrin or platelet-enriched microfrombi in the CNS or other organs regardless of the cause of death. Now, you know, my 
initial feeling about this paper is that, look, you're dealing with a very aged cohort. And um, the you, you, you're just going to have a whole... <laughs> Panoply of symptoms and uh, diseases that are going to be thrown in there. So this is this is why we use experimental models, right? So we don't have these sort of confounds in them. But kind of interesting that um, the the COVID nineteen have this the clotting, particularly in the uh, the brainstem medulla regions. All right, so RT-PCR analysis of two sections detected viral RNA COVID-19 cases with viral protein immunoreactivity. The molecular testing by real-time RT-PCR detected SARS-CoV-2 RNA in 10 out of 24 COVID-19 subjects, nine of whom had also SARS-CoV-2-S and or M-protein positive uh, immunohistochemistry and that in positive tissue samples, threshold cycles of real-time RT-PCR for SARS-CoV-2 RNA ranged between 33 and 38, while in all samples, the CT values of the internal control RNA ranged between 27 and 34. Cycle threshold values for each analyzed section are reported in supplementary 2 and in figure 2AB for the medulla and midbrain. SARS-CoV-2 subgenomic RNA was investigated but not detected in our specimens, likely due to RNA degradation section. Um, so yeah, you know the the count is high. So you know, take that into account. Um, now, why is your figure so blurry? Not a All right, so um, when looking at immunohistochemistry, you want it generally brown, dark staining is uh, a tag, and so medulla midbrain, NS protein. Here are the, so these are the counts, I guess. So the blue line is their control. Uh, these are the RT-PCR for their end gene. Bing, bing, bing. All, all outside the... I mean, it's just, but... It is, it is outside the control range. So, now, if the paper that we looked at last week is on point, I would predict that you would see so with immunohistochemistry, 
perhaps you can tag S protein, but you won't find, or you'll find very little of uh, N or whatever other protein. What were they? Um, so, yeah, so there's white staining there. Uh, now, S protein. Now, it's it's hard to quantify visually me. SARS-CoV-2 viral proteins were detected in neurons of the medulla midbrain in a subset of COVID-19 subjects, but not in controls. The immunoperoxidase and immunofluorescent staining for SARS-CoV-2 spike protein and nucleocapsid protein was performed on all samples, included subjects showing only positive results in cases with SARS-CoV-2 infection, but not in controls, indicating specificity. In particular, viral proteins were detected in seven subjects within CNS parenchyma and in five subjects the immunoreactive neurons within the anatomically defined boundaries solitary tract nucleus, dorsal motor nucleus of the vagus, nucleus ambiguous and substantia nigra. As seen in double immunofluorescence labeling, SARS-CoV-2 nucleocapsid protein antibody can be detected in beta-free tubulin, panneuronal marker, immunoreactive structures such as neuronal somata and neurites in the medulla and midbrain with no labeling in controls. The level of the midbrain nucleocapsid protein immunofluorescence was also found with tyrosine, hydroxylase, immunoreactive neurons, and neurites. So again, if you remember, oh, uh, tyrosine hydroxylase is the uh, rate-limiting enzyme for the conversion into uh, dopamine, and um, that is a it's a well-defined. Um, immunohistochemical target for these for identifying dopaminergic nerves. We spoke about that a lot. So, um, see, some of these subjects also displayed endothelial cell immunoreactivity in small vessels of the cerebral cortex, deep cerebellar nuclei, hippocampus, and midbrain, small vessel thrombosis, perivascular extravasion, and hemorrhagic injury were found within affected region of cases. Um, so, let's see. So, green is their tyrosine hydroxylase stain, and yes, eh, you can see a little bit of red there. And protein. Just looking at N protein, why didn't they do S protein? I mean, 
I, I, I'll agree that Signal is there, but I would have liked to have seen S protein stained. But have to just work with what we have. So yeah, they're looking hinges and blood vessels, helia. And again, dark staining just means they get a hit for these proteins. You can even see the erythrocytes in that blood vessel. It's kind of cool. All right. So yeah, I mean, there's nothing new per se there that we didn't know. Uh, in case 7, ischemic injury of the right rostral hippocampal formation due to posterior cerebral artery occlusion was associated with perivascular extravasion, edema, fibrinogen leakage, and viral protein immunoreactivity within small vessel endothelium, further confirmed by RT-PCR. Acute hemorrhagic injury in the territory of the right middle cerebral artery was associated with endotheliitis within perilesional tissue displaying both viral protein, immunoreactive endothelium, and positive RT-PCR. Similarly, the deep cerebellar white matter and dentate nuclei in case 17 to 18 presented small vessel thromboses and extensive hemorrhagic injury. Conversely, in some cases with small vessel thromboses within the pons and frontal cortex, viral proteins and RNA was not detectable. ACE2 receptor protein and transmembrane serine protease protein immunoreactivity was compatible with anatomical distribution of SARS-CoV-2 antigens. Both proteins were moderately expressed in vascular endothelial cells, brainstem neurons, and astrocytes. Here we get to microglia, and again, um, you know, the so much of the data that's extant now points to microglia as being a sort of target and again it's um it's this attack against the immune system in this case the central nervous system microglial cells with an activated phenotype and frequent microglial nodules were found in covid-19 subjects but not in controls so in 23 subjects, microglia displayed an activated phenotype with characteristic fawny ramifications or amoeboid morphology. Interestingly, homeostatic microglial marker TMEM119 was consistently expressed in our cohort, even though it's known to be downregulated upon microglial activation in various neuropathological conditions. A similar pattern of immunoreactivity is also seen Matschka et al. and Schwabenland et al. Considering the relatively short hospitalization time prior to death of our COVID-19 cohort, 14 and a half days, and the similar immunoreactivity pattern compared to other available studies, it can be inferred that TMEM119 downregulation does not occur early in COVID-19. Um, So, whatever the TMEM protein does, 
familiar with, but you can certainly see microglia for sure. Very sort of stellate appearance, I guess. Sixty-eight is the macrophage going. Sixty-one, the platelet. Okay. I mean, you know, these these were obviously very very sick <laughs> people, old people. Um, I'm uh, I'm not surprised to be seeing what we're seeing this instance. So, while microglial cells expressed homeostatic marker TMEM119, as well as lysosomal activity marker CD68 in both COVID-19 and control subjects, COVID-19 subjects displayed a more widespread CD68 immunoreactivity with statistically significant differences in CD68 immunoreactive area expressed as percentage at the level of the medulla and midbrain, but not the pons when compared to controls. We also found a positive correlation between medullary microgliosis and hospitalization time described in detail in the following paragraphs. KI67 immunoperoxidase staining as well as KI67 CD68 double label immunofluorescence staining did not reveal significant KI67 immunoreactivity ascribable to microglial cells just in mi local microglial activation and, and migration without active proliferation in the considered cases. Microglial nodules associated with perineuronal uh, HLA-DR it's, um, it's like the stone compatibility complex what it stands for but human leukocyte antigen um So HLA DR plus TMEM one one nine CD sixty eight cells were suggested of neuronophagia, so meaning eating up the neurons in eighteen COVID nineteen subjects. This is uh, one of the discussions I had with uh, Walter. If you want to find if if that is on Rumble, um, and uh, yeah, I forget why we were discussing. I need to reach out to Walter. Um, Anyway, so we did neuronophagia and were identified at the level of substantia nigra, dorsal motor nucleus of the vagus medullary reticular formation, area postrema, and basal ganglia. No microglial nodules were found in control cases, regardless of cause of death. Moreover, moderate to 
excuse me, severe infiltration of CD68 TMEM119 cells was found in 23 subjects given their prominent perivascular localization. These were likely monocyte-derived, excuse me, macrophages. olfactory bulb so they did look an olfactory bulb now um i wish they'd done staining for n protein s protein and olfactory bulb they didn't wonder why that did i didn't i didn't see olfactory bulb no no olfactory uh, Yeah, so there's a if I if I'd been reviewing this, I, I would have asked for a few few extra. I mean, you know, it's important data anyway, but I I would have asked for more focus on our factory bulb. So anyway. On so COVID nineteen subjects and pneumonia controls present CD two hundred six expressing perivascular macrophages with anti inflammatory M two phenotype. Okay. Uh, so evaluation of M one M two phenotype markers CD eighty six and CD two hundred six revealed CD two hundred six perivascular macrophages COVID nineteen control subjects morphometrical quantification of CD two hundred six Perivascular cells revealed statistically significant differences between groups of COVID-19 subjects presenting higher densities of pro-inflammatory macrophages in both medulla and midbrain. Um, so why the why the opposite? But uh, anti-inflammatory marker macrophages, the microglia are, are showing all these pro-inflammatory cytokines. Mm. We'll have to get discussion. So microglia did not express M1, M2 cell surface markers presented pro-inflammatory phenotype based on interleukin. Okay, yeah, just covered that. So, so in COVID-19 subjects, a topically defined pattern of microgliosis was found in the medulla, oblongata, and brain, the midbrain. Uh, da, 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 yeah, that's... the low resolution but I, I can see what they're getting at which is so you can see that the red shading has a gradient to it and I would I'll make the presumption that that is indicative of the amount of area that microglia are active that's essentially what they're showing there and then they're taking areas of interest and then doing their analysis of variance across these different uh, different regions, and seeing that there are 
this this gradient. Um, now, I guess the bottom right hand graph here. So, your control group, COVID nineteen, fire. This this one is the important group. Is there ANOVA of these regions of interest? Okay. Um, get past that. Back, please. All right. So I'm presuming. Well, okay. So the. the King at the couple of different regions, Medalla. Now they're going to do the same thing in the ponds, and we see similar gradients. But is that is it significantly different? No, it's not. Yeah, so no statistically significant difference in microglial densities were found at the level of the ponds. Okay, gotcha. Um, so we covered that. Um, anatomically segregated microgliosis of ventral midbrain was significantly higher in COVID-19. The midbrain um, is where the substantia nigra is. And... Um, so... It, but I'm trying to find the no can't, can't read it <laughs> Doc's eyes giving out <laughs> come on load All right. okay, thank you <laughs> okay so momentum what that stands for, TG. Um, but yeah, very obvious difference here. And um, here you can see the gradient. I, I believe them <laughs> with their analysis. It does look significant. So yeah, I think um I think we covered the the data now. So we can we can see what they say about the discussion because there's like I say some of the proteins that they're mentioning uh, I'm not not so familiar with. So in the present study, the neuropathological findings of 24 COVID-19 patients were examined and compared with age and sex match controls who died due to pneumonia and or respiratory insufficiency. The findings indicate specific neuropathological alterations in the brains of COVID-19 patients with particular regard to topographically defined microgliosis in the brainstem and viral immunoreactivity in specific CNS compartments, either within the boundaries of brainstem nuclei in the context of ischemic or hemorrhagic injuries. Platelet and fibrin microfrombrite in particular were characteristic findings 
COVID-19 cohort and often affected multiple organs such as the lungs, liver, intestine, hypothyrinx, and even the carotid body, summarized in table one. Microfibrosis were more frequent within the pons, deep cerebellar nuclei, and cere cerebral cortex. In some cases, hemorrhagic injury and microfibrosis were found in regions with a viral protein, immunoreactivity in vascular endothelial cells. SARS-CoV-2 viral proteins, on the other hand, were confined to specific loci of the CNS. Uh, SARS-CoV-2 viral proteins appear to be localized prefer preferentially within neurons of the vagal nuclei of the medulla and the substantia nigra, with the exception of one subject who also presented immunoreactive cells throughout the whole brainstem. Uh, let's see. Well, Matska reported SARS-CoV-2 invasion of cranial nerves 9 and 10. We were unable to replicate these findings within our cohort. Furthermore, unlike Mindartel's finding, viral proteins and RNA were not detectable in any of the sampled olfactory bulbs. Oh, so they did test tracts and bifurcations. Even though moderate edema and moderate to severe astrogosis and moderate microglial activation were encountered in most cases in our study. Um, interesting. Why? Okay. It is what it is, I guess. Um, ACE2 receptor TMPRS2 protein immunohistochemistry support this topographical localization with neurons within the dorsal motor nucleus, the vagal nerve, solitary tract nucleus, nucleus ambiguous, and substantia nigra being moderately immunoreactive. While previous studies identified viral protein immunoreactivity in sparse cells throughout the brainstem without specific topography, our findings appear to be in line with available animal studies on other coronaviruses, SARS-CoV-2, MERS-CoV, which are known to be able to infect the brainstem, particularly the dorsal motor nucleus of the vagus, solitary tract nucleus, and nucleus ambiguous, so that an analog pattern of neuroinvasion for SARS-CoV-2 has been suggested. The peculiar and unexpected finding in our cohort was a detection of viral proteins genomic sequences in the substantia nigra, not matching any known models of coronavirus neurotropism. Interesting. And again, um, the... Well, the, la the last paper we looked at made the claim that there was ACE2 in... I, I should have investigated that more. I mean, a, a quick look. It didn't... It struck me as counterintuitive to have ACE2 receptors on dopaminergic neurons and I wonder if they just meant the vasculature around the midbrain um, and perhaps uh, when I've got more energy and motivation perhaps I'll dig into that a little more but uh, the peculiar and unexpected, yeah, I did that. Um, SARS-CoV-2 immunoreactive neurons of the substantia nigra were frequently found in proximity to blood vessels. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I would be surprised if you could tag ACE2 on dopaminergic neurons. And so in this case, they're finding it next to the blood vessels. So maybe there's high, high ACE2 distribution in that particular part of the cerebral vasculature and then I don't know, it's getting leaky and then it's allowing infectivity and I, I would presume neuropilin as the route into dopaminergic neurons 
Hence, aside from an olfactory transmucosal transmission and vagus glossopharyngeal mediated invasion, SARS-CoV-2 may gain access to other districts of the CNS, either through a yet unknown neuronal route or suggested by our findings in the midbrain by crossing the blood-brain barrier and infecting structures of the perivascular and juxtavascular compartment. In literature, SARS-CoV-2 infection of dopaminergic neurons was investigated in vitro but was not reported in human postmortem studies to date. Young et al. demonstrated that spike-enabled pseudo-entrivirus is able to infect dopaminergic neurons in an experimental platform of cell and organoid derivatives, human pluripotent stem cells, suggesting SARS-CoV-2 affinity for dopaminergic neurons. Now, again, this if this is a feature, and maybe it's not neuropillin, um, uh, I don't know, but th there may be, it may just have affinity for um, dopaminergic receptors. Uh, that would that would strike me again as extremely odd and convenient, convenient for the weaponeers. Uh, so I want to paper. I want to. I want to see what this just this study says is the mechanism. What's the receptor binding? I don't know. I, I, I'm going to have to. Uh, my my face. <laughs> There is some evidence to suggest that ACE2 may be expressed in dopaminergic neurons, which could have implications for individuals affected with COVID-19. Mm. Well, like I said, we looked at this preprint. Um, I mean, it's to be honest, I I can't ever remember 
sitting in a lecture or a um, seeing a poster, looking at the ACE2 innovation of dopaminergic neurons. This is, this is new for me. Groups immunopositive for extreme brainstem, respiratory rhythm generating. Well, that one makes yeah, thoughts and complex, of course. Um, Anchonigra. So, yeah, I, I would, I would need to. to read into my what what's what's the functional functional region for a uh, reason for um you know what are what are modulators when you're talking about monoamines i need i need i need to think about that more But if it if it's true, oh dear, oh dear. Now the question is why why wasn't why wasn't it observed with the original SARS or MERS? Maybe maybe it just didn't it didn't come up. So together, the detection of viral proteins in substantia nigra and the vagal nuclei support the notion that viral infections such as SARS-CoV-2 may predispose or quickly precipitate the development of neurodegenerative diseases, especially Parkinson's disease. Intriguingly, recent evidence points towards an antiviral role of alpha-synuclein, the protein whose pathological conformations are involved in PD and multiple system atrophy, response to infection of peripheral tissues. Mice lacking alpha-synuclein expression exhibit markedly increased viral growth in the brain. Interesting. Interesting. So alpha-synuclein is, is there as part of the innate immune system of the, of the brain. It's, oh, wow. <laughs> the, if, if I wasn't doing this and... Um, the field would have just marched on, and I, I would I'd have been I'd have been oblivious to all the all these um, discoveries. And as as a sort of basal ganglia aficionado, um, it's yeah, it's it's in, it's intriguing. And this is this is the first time I've heard the hypothesis of alpha synuclein being a intrinsic antiviral peptide. Some, sometimes science can be interesting. Okay. Well, to me, it's interesting. I'm, pro <laughs> I'm probably boring most people to death with this. Uh, let's see. Uh, Beatman documented expression yeah. of alpha-syn viral infection in the central nervous system where virus-induced increased alpha-synuclein expression localized to endoplasmic reticulum-derived membranes, modulated virus-induced endoplasmic reticulum stress signaling, and inhibited viral replication growth and injury in CNS. 
Similarly, another study evidenced that alpha-synuclein is required for neuronal expression of interferon-stimulated genes and supports neuron-specific interferon responses. This is the, honestly, this is the first time I've heard or read discussions about alpha-synuclein being antiviral and So, you know, a, a quick Google shows the um, quote-unquote unknown function. So um, my understanding was that it was, um, again, one of these membrane trafficking peptides. Um, but if it's, if it is, um, if it is involved in your innate immune response to viral infection, that it does explain a lot. Now, and so being, so like being the, wait for it. Tip of the spear, edge of the knife. Uh, peptide in the defense of the brain, right? So alpha-synuclein misfolding is what, makes up the Lewy body inclusions in Parkinson's disease. And so the so the I guess the basic theory is is that that peptide in trying to do its job in so it's going to try and come into contact with the vi the pathogen or even in, in in this case if it's spike proteins and if there are these prion like domains, amyloidogenic type epitopes, then it's those that are conferring the misfolding to the alpha synuclein. And then, and then I guess if you've if you've got so the cranial bone marrow paper, if you've got a chronic chronic expression of spike protein then your alpha-synuclein is going to constantly keep coming into contact with it. And so that will trigger. Once the protein is misfolded, the cascade begins. And, you know, I was to say, you've got some capacity to deal with it, but then if it gets overwhelmed, and particularly in aged cohorts, that you've had a lifetime of um, exposure and stress to, to that system. The question is, um, how how much and how hard is the impact in younger cohorts? So conversely, while alpha-synuclein in the brain may represent a protective factor in response to viral infection, its viral-induced overexpression can potentially lead to protein misfolding aggregation and development of Lewy body pathology. Yep. Indeed, we at have demonstrated that SARS-CoV-2 proteins S and N present high binding affinity to alpha-synuclein. Yeah, imagine that. Uh, yeah, man, that, I mean, this is, it, it's in black and white, all these mechanisms that I've been sort of postulating and um, the, The issue here, though, is that it's it's multi it's multifactorial, 
because we know that there's impact. So alpha-synuclein, I want to say, is... Oh, I put my foot in my mouth. So it's it's highly abundant in the brain, right? So throughout the brain. So that, in my mind, lends credence to the fact that it, it potentially is is a part of the immune posture of of the brain. Um, and I guess I guess would explain why you why the Lewy body such a such a common marker for neurodegeneration all right so here hence while alpha synuclein expression increases in neurons in response to infection the presence of viral proteins can potentially trigger protein misfolding and aggregation as seen in in vitro studies especially in conjunction with inflammatory environmental and genetic facilitators leading toward or predisposing to synucleopathies and neurodegeneration and um again the As, as a more the, the fundamental heuristic as protein misfolding disorders and then being able to propagate puts them into the domain as, uh, of prion, proteinaceous infectious uh, particle. Okay, so this hypothesis arises and is clinically driven both from the 1917 Spanish flu and von Economo's encephalitis, encephalitis, sorry, lethargica pandemics, which have seen a surge of post-encephalitic Parkinsonism following the waves of the pandemic and the known association between viral infection and the development of transient or permanent movement disorders. And we're seeing this. And in fact, pathogens, and in particular respiratory viruses, have been suggested as a potential etiopathogenic factor for PD leading to Parkinsonism in subjects over the age of 50, regardless of genetic substrate. Both the olfactory bulb and tract, as well as the medulla oblongata where the vagal nuclei are located, represent the very first sites of early PD neuropathology. So if you're interested, please look for BRAC staging, B-R-A-A-K. BRAC and BRAC, husband and um, So... Yeah, represent main sites of inflect, inf inflammation, infection encountered in COVID-19 as seen in our study. Furthermore, viral-related inflammation might render the CNS susceptible to preceding or subsequent stressors, even in the absence of direct viral invasion. Indeed, past history of infection was associated with a 20% higher risk of presenting PD in the future. We believe these findings encourage further research on the possibility that COVID-19 neuroinflammation may be the trigger of neurodegenerative processes such as Parkinson's disease in susceptible individuals. Further studies on COVID-19 survivors and long COVID patients are therefore warranted. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, despite the detection of viral proteins, genomic sequences in restricted regions of the brainstem, we found no evident 
neuropathological alterations in SARS-CoV-2 infected cells, such as necrotic changes and other cytological alterations that could hint toward possible direct consequences of viral invasion in human neurons. Well, that we saw different in the in this paper, right? So um, remember the uh, so this this image. And you can see that the cell body of the tyrosine hydroxylase labeled neurons shrink. So in a I would imagine in an aged brain you would find this type of compare and contrast would, would be difficult. Anyway, that's just me trying to think how to do the experiment to test that. Um, that, this, right? COVID-19 is characterized by different evolutionary phases and heterogeneous individual responses and the short interval between infection and death in our cohort, as well as the fact that included patients died during the acute phase of the disease, may not be sufficient to determine detectable neuropathological alterations in affected cells as a direct consequence of viral invasion. Yeah, and if I remember correctly from this paper, they did short-term infection and then they extended it out 28 days. Hence, while the consequences of SARS-CoV-2 neurotropism in the medulla have been widely discussed in literature and are supported by the detection of viral proteins and genomic sequences in our study, the absence of direct neuronal damage and the impossibility of performing functional assays on postmortem samples should be taken into consideration when discussing the clinical implications of COVID-19 neuropathology. Further studies on long COVID patients may be able to shed a light on long-term consequences of COVID-19, particularly concerning the detection of SARS-CoV-2 within CNS after the acute phase of the disease, and whether or not this leads to specific neuropathological alterations as a consequence of viral invasion. Concerning microglial activation and density, our findings appear to be in line with Schwabenland, who identified microglial nodules and parenchymal reactive microglia as a hallmark for COVID-19. And I want to say in that paper, that was the one that um, identified uh, upregulation of uh, prion, prion precursor protein. In our cohort, patients with pneumonia and or respiratory failure served as control group, and although also characterized by microglial activation, these patients displayed lower microglial counts in the medulla and midbrain, but not in the pons when compared to COVID-19 subjects. We also found no significant effect of oxygen therapy on microglial density within the COVID-19 group. Conversely, Daigandesh et al. found significant differences in the HLRDR positive activated microglia and comparing COVID-19 subjects to non-septic controls, but no differences were found with patients who had died under septic conditions, according to the authors. This may represent a histopathological correlate, critical illness-related encephalopathy. And uh, the 
not to be confused with encephalitis. So encephalopathy is the spongiform presentation. Um, aside from the distinct populations serving as control subjects, significant methodological differences between these studies must be taken into consideration. Our approach to microglial quantification was more similar to Schwabenland as digitally assisted manual counting of TMEM119 cells, a homeostatic microglia-specific marker, was performed to estimate microgliosis. Conversely, Dagen de Chatel quantified HLR DR immunoreactive area, a marker expressed on both microglia and on infiltrating lymphomonocytic cells as a fraction of the counting field and not as individual particles, explaining differences between our studies. Interestingly, perivascular macrophages were found to express CD206, indicating an anti-inflammatory M2 phenotype. Higher CD206 cell densities were detected in the perivascular compartment of COVID-19 brains compared to controls. Yep, uh, we've done all that, yes, and uh, all the upregulation of the cytokines as well. Um, this is in line with... Interestingly, while no evidence of direct neuronal damage was found in SARS-CoV-2 infected cells, microglial densities within infected anatomical loci differed between subjects with and without detectable viral antigens and genomic sequences, and suggesting a link between the detection of SARS-CoV-2 antigens and microglial response. Conversely, overall microglial density did not differ between the two groups, and a strong correlation between microgliosis and hypoxic ischemic damage level of the brainstem was found. Hence, while we found a suggestive link between microgliosis and the detection of SARS-CoV-2 antigens in our cohort, the other factors such as hypoxia, ischemia, systemic inflammation, cytokine storm ongoing during COVID-19, previously reported by Thacker et al., are likely to play a more prominent role in determining brainstem microgliosis in accordance to previous studies. Conclusion, the present study contributes to define the spectrum of neuropathological alterations in COVID-19 as well as the neuroinvasive potential of SARS-CoV-2 within the CNS with particular regard to its implications for neurodegenerative diseases. Unlike previous findings, we have documented a subset of COVID-19 cases. We've done that, right? So, um, I, um, it's intriguing the premise about Alpha-synuclein being um, a uh, immune immune-linked peptide. That's I'm going to have to sit and cogitate about that one. Um, all right, so let me see if there's questions. I don't I don't know why this thing doesn't scroll. So if I've missed anything. Um, thank you, mate. Twenty fifteen. Interesting. Interesting, thank you. All right, so let's go back. Uh, all right. Uh, Smashing on Lame says uh, he takes cumin and quercetin. It gives me a chance just to play. 
coming. <laughs> I couldn't resist. Sorry. Uh, let's see. I want to check this as well. And Oh, I want to say thank you to more cowbell. Uh, which would you like? Uh, press one for uh, Chemical Alley. Two for the Saddam Drip. Uh, whoever gets in first gets to play the first one or the first two. Or uh, get the uh, decide the stinger. Is it going to be uh, Chemical Alley or Saddam? Oh, both are so strong. One or two. Which one's it going to be? Come on, folks. How long's the lag on this uh, this thing? Whoever whoever gets the number in first. It's waiting, waiting, waiting. One or two. One! <laughs> they were just uh, they were rank amateurs compared to what we've done <laughs> I will rehabilitate the pan-arab chad bring him back alright uh, let's see uh, see is interferon beta modulates microglial polarization? Yes, uh, of course. Um, oh, he looks interesting stuff. The guy from the prion papers is it involved with? Uh, yes, I I did um, I did look through his uh, work, and he didn't seem to have a whole lot. But um, the Again, Chinese, they're looking at prions, and again, it's, who knows in this particular instance. Uh, what wasn't detected in Commander Rixie, good to see you on deck, uh, in SARS and in MERS that's now detected in SARS-CoV-2, I didn't catch the first part. Dopaminergic neurons being infected, um, th that's new... Direct, direct infection of the cell is a new phenomenon. So the, the way I'd been viewing the literature was, was that the neurons generally were not at risk. It was the astrocytes and microglia and we don't hear much about oligodendrocytes right now, but um, we'll see what happens. Um, can we get two as well? Um, I, I guess there was a uh, play and uh, any chance just to bring the Pan-Arab chat on, I'll do it. Oh, Akbar! 
All right. Uh, <laughs> what the heck is that music? It's disturbing but funny. That's that's, that's the whole point. <laughs> it's just meant to be funny, folks. Um, don't get your knickers in a twist. All right. So uh, I hope that answered the question. Good doggy says he think he'll have a drink. <laughs> Yes. Okay. And uh, let's see. Keep going. Okay. Um, just when I think it wasn't bad enough. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, incredibly interesting. Incredibly terrifying and true. Holy fuck. Yeah. My, my sentiments exactly. Now, look, you're looking at aged, a very aged cohort, right? So um, that's, a, that's a huge confounder in this experiment or data the what we need to be able to do is look at young young individuals and again we now know that spike protein is reversing all through the cranial axis and look to see if spike protein is um in vivo impacting dopaminergic neurons if it is <laughs> and there's evidence to point to that i'm going to keep pointing at this right that that is a plot that's a plot from monkeys right i can just show you one got one open That's that's exactly how I would do um, Parkinsonian monkey. Kind of like looks somewhat, but um, so. Um, we're looking at this monkey, right? And on the bottom here, you can see her activity monitor. She's in red, and normal monkeys are in blue. Age match controls. And she was, she was dopamine unresponsive. So we think that she was probably more multi-system atrophy. Um, but that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the canonical description of the fact that your dopaminergic intervention or lesion is working. Reduced overall activity. <laughs> that poor monkey looks healthier than Hotez. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she looks sad. Yeah, she was, man. <laughs> yeah. I strapped a lot of hardware to her head. <laughs> she was, uh... She was a vicious little bitch as well. Um, foul, foul temperament. But she was, she was spontaneously 
Parkinsonian and that has never been observed before in in animals uh in monkeys and not at such an early age and she had a she had a a single nucleotide mutation in uh, uh, MSH3 gene, SHC2, that's right, SHC2. Um, uh, the you know, the question is this happens, right? You know, the obvious one being uh, Back to the Future guy, Michael J. Fox. And um, the, the question is, are we going to see more people going into this trajectory of looking like that in their 40s and 50s? And in, if you're in your 20s and 30s, because you've just got so much more... Um, slack in the system to compensate you're going to develop the neuropsychiatric and the brain fog euphemistically called brain fog right the ability inability to focus attention etc and we're, we're seeing these signals as as predicted Um, so, you know, the, do I have other, it, it, it's just going to come down to how many, how many are going to have impact and how many how much have we amplified that by gene transfecting people with a fucking peptide? <laughs> it could be, it could be a staggering number. Um, it's right, so. Uh, see, he's playing it, but I guess nobody knows the source. I'm keeping the source hidden. <laughs> Uh, let me see. If you want, if you want more uh, chemical alley or Saddam drip, hit that dono button. Duck will play it. <laughs> All right. But I had to pull the volume down just now. Only disturbing looks when you play it in public without your phone. <laughs> well, that's the point, right? Um, oh, dear. Uh, sad way to go. Yeah, for that uh, monkey. Look, um, it is what it is. And um, the... Um, be thankful for the, for that little monkey. We, we that actually moved the needle on um, 
in this instance, the multi-system atrophy end of the neurodegenerative spectrum. But um, let's see. White Lung Kung Fu says, salute to the monkeys we lost, indeed, because they are... Tip of the spear, edge of the knife. Gout Grippy says, reduced overall activity is how I describe people around me in 2023, indeed. Yeah, and I'm, I'm telling you, man, since my running with SARS, and again, you know, I was primed to have a rough go of it, right, just because of prior comorbidities, Okay particularly TBI and previous long, long hauler uh, type condition in my 20s. Right? It was very severe. Um, I don't go out now. Right before, even after the head, I was recovering. I would, I had to, I'd like to go for a walk, right? And Not now. I don't want to. <laughs> I just want to sit down. Now, um, mood, I haven't noticed that so much but you know the dopaminergic innovation is preserved in limbic regions and that's because you have um cow binding this calcium binding system and it seems to be neuroprotective somewhat and you know there's um there's been attempts to express have the motor system expressed express this cow binding um peptide and to see if it would be neuroprotective in parkinson's and i don't i, I don't know if that ever really panned out um let's see unfortunate it seems to be necessary to use them yes if you don't use them they'll use you and they're doing that anyway <laughs> they've decided monkeys are too much trouble now now maybe um sars being a um well you know pushing data the neurological data being so um primary in the pathophysiology it will bring monkeys back in to favor in these research institutes and people will because they've been so impacted will likely be more accepting of it but you know the problem is is that we we've allowed well <laughs> just i'll not get into it it's it's the end of uh the stream all right i can i've, I've missing a lot of chat here so this uh, did that did that did that beginning of the stream um european cdc operated cjd surveillance in europe since the bse outbreak in the uk in the 1990s the data was outsourced to the university of edinburgh they shut it down in 2020 yeah i know <laughs> i know i was at the, i was at edinburgh when um the the institute was started and so i you know i have the reason that i I'm, i have an interest in this was that a lot of my neuroscience lectures at that time because edinburgh was at the Center of Excellence, I guess, in the UK, 
um <laughs> I was we would get all these graphs showing, you know, oh we've got this, you know, hockey stick type uh emergence of new new variant Kreutzfeldt Yakov and the concern was that, you know, there it would there would be I don't know, the well, maybe like now, I guess, but you know, many, many young people um, going through the um this N V C J D and it it didn't pan out but the problem is is that we what we don't know is the impact and how that could drive people into quote unquote neurodegenerative chronic neurodegenerative states and but these are questions that are still still being answered so let's see uh Did that as the deer? It's gonna migrate from our food soon. Yeah, I did that one. How many? I don't know that one. Remember when Fauci came out in January twenty-seven talking about there will be a surprise outbreak? Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> I don't think it was a surprise. All right. Let's see. Drink more ammonia, says I love the frog. Okay. Microglia scavenge on damaged nerve cells, right? Is that why the pores or holes in the brain? Yes. Um, let's see. I haven't managed to tune it in while. Live in weeks. Well, good to see you out, Guppy. Um, they jacked up nicotine taxes on me. They went from three hundred a year is now fifteen hundred to sixteen hundred. Jesus. Start vaping. <laughs> I mean, if push comes to shove, I mean, you can just throw uh, glycerine in this thing, right? And just blow clouds. It's the blowing of the clouds that I I like. I don't know. The nicotine is kind of cool as well. It doesn't give you the head rush that like a Siggy does, but uh, I'm, I'm sold on vaping. This, <laughs> uh, what should we say? Um, I need a pastime for me. Uh, me last years. It's and it's kind of meditative, but it's a bit like sort of packing a pipe and um, you know, can go to it when you when you want and um I'm sold. <laughs> Punk show Dead Milkman 1988. No, uh, <laughs> you see any holes? Um, what you mean the encephalopathy? I mean, just look at Google encephalopathy and see brain holes. Uh, let's see. Reality will break too many minds to reveal. Uh, yeah, and like I say, you know, the, I, I imagine uh, there's a lot of, as well as just ass covering, right, that there will be, well, it will be justified by, oh, we've got to, for the common good, we can't tell the 
plebs. <laughs> What's going on? We'll have uprisings. Yeah, till, till they take out your dopaminergic system. Then you, then you just sit in your chair. All right. To prevent eye strain, use a TV as a monitor and put it at least a meter away. Um, I guess. <laughs> just, I mean, it's a big monitor. Um, it's just I, I, I'm too lazy to go and get glasses. Or if not, not lazy. It's, it, it's like admitting defeat. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want those reading glasses. I, I, I know I need them, but um, <laughs> I'll fight it. I'll fight it. God damn it. See, uh, says not bored at all. That's good. Um, once they misfold, they encourage everything else to misfold as well. Yes. Uh, was Senator Fetterman jabbed, then got stroke? I don't probably. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Doctor, somebody, someday I hope to send you my monk energy drink. It's loaded with BCAA and 200 milligrams of caffeine flavored with monk fruit and erythritol. Okay. Um, I'll gl gladly accept it. Uh, what the heck is Yeah, I did the music thing. Let's see. <laughs> the people upstairs heard it. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, this plot is one I need the PDF to as well. Uh, yeah, you want the PDF with the paper? I'll give you the link to the paper. I'm just, I'm, I'm just scanning for questions now, and then I'm going to wrap up. Uh, sunshine so important. Yeah. Yeah, vitamin D. I, I really think, and like I say, you know, there's a, you may not have the virus replicating, right? So the, the data swings from study to study as to how much there's potential viral replication going on. But we know that the spike protein will definitely get into the um, brain. And what's happening is is that the microglia are reacting to that and and it might just be you may just want to tamp it down and but you know then there's then there's the issue of um do you want it would still cause the protein misfolding so that could accelerate out of control it's 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 a it's it's not a straightforward a to b um causal chain trying to untangle all this. So, um, praying for you, no popcorn long. You get popcorn long? <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Gotta die of something, right? <laughs> I used to smoke one pack a day, brutal. Yeah, man, I, I, if I was a smoker, I'd smoke two packs a day. My, my father was two packs a day, man. <laughs> whole thing was when you were looking at the brain samples um now you didn't really see any encephalopathy there per se um that what that looked like um infarct damage but um let's see 
I just bought one. Couldn't read the tiny letters anymore. Black lines matter. <laughs> Funny. Uh, it's really hormone-y. Cattle and dairy people coined it vitamin-y. Um, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I'm... If if it gives if it gives you relief, then I I would yeah I, I'm not saying you must take it but I I'm I would be if it was me I I would probably just say right. <laughs> gotta check out somehow all right um I will call it quits there um if you did uh. You know, Dark 15 to 20 minutes sun exposure, we make it. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> I know that. Uh, the, the question is, do you want to stick in the... Or do you want to sit in the... Oh, God. Waifu is... Uh, Uh, all right. Uh, waifu needs my, or she wants my, so I need to take care of that. All right. So I'm trying to get towards this paper. Um, well, this one and uh, this one, um, looking at the efficacy of all the variants to infect microglia. And, you know, the, think about the words in the, paper that we looked at at the beginning which was that you the weaponeers would look to um they would look for a transmissible way to cause prion like disorders and like i say don't pe people will think mad cow mad cow is just one section of very wide spectrum of protein misfolding disorders and um amyloidosis so with that um please yeah like share hit the hit the button and um all the other stuff i need for metrics metrics and she all right uh tomorrow i'm going to be speaking with uh, one steve massey i'm very much looking forward to that we'll be discussing uh, the latest in lab origins and then i think um yeah so steve massey um armchair warlord at the weekend and i'm trying to convince uh rotten politics to come and do a, a stream um so we'll see he said he said he's he'll do it so just it's just a matter of of when so all right um Right, I'm out of here, folks. Take care, God bless, and see you all in the next one. Bro, you don't know how angry I am. You do. I'm like, I was just leaving for fucking work. You do not understand how fucking pissed off. After reading that little line, I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. Fuck these cappers! I will fucking kill each fucking kappa. I swear. <laughs> this is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they're actually saying. Fuck these chapters. No fucking vaccine or ever.
more than five. This guy.